calling from the <clears throat> calling from the island of Fuerteventura to all over the world. This is radio station Fuerteventura. Our show today is about taking possession of your attention. It's chapter six one, or I can't tell which one it is. I. We're we're greeting each other in your particular form. So, whatever form you use to greet each other, please. Uh, one at a time, make that available for us, for the viewing public, if you'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) I see we're speaking all different languages. I, you know, I don't think that's admitted enough. In the general public or in society, I don't think it's admitted that we speak so many different languages. Basically, if you ever got to try to know somebody intimately or live with them or communicate with them, it's important to learn to speak their language. And we, we haven't even been uh, trained in how to learn someone else's languages. I remember when I first came to Germany and I had, I had been born in America and then I had learned some Spanish because I lived in Los Angeles, not so far from Mexico. And I studied a little Spanish in school, but then my spiritual teacher moved me to France and I hated French language. I could not say anything in French. I did not one word in French. So I, I desperately tried to learn words like hardware store. It's almost impossible to say the word hardware store in French. And, and can calorie, can calorie. It's worse than butter or hello. Those are horrible enough, but to try to say hardware store or try to say head gasket or you know shoe, shoe polish remover, this kind of stuff, it's just impossible to say. And then I was learning some German on top of that. And what I learned in Germany from being with Marion at the time, she, she was an expert in learning languages. She's a linguist. I thought I was a linguist, but she knew how to learn languages because in the European education system teaches in some ways how to learn a language. I mean, I mean, in Germany, there's four cases. And in English, there's none. So I had, no, I had no concept for what a case was. I mean, in Russian, there's something like 12 cases. Or Polish, there's 15 cases. In English, there's none. So I, it just completely, I was in such a liquid state for a couple of years, not even knowing that I didn't know how to learn languages. And so here we are trying to be human beings together and and trying to... Meet. Uh, so I'd like to do a short experiment. And Chloe, are you still online? Yes. Would, can you throw us out into pairs for about f- uh, about seven or eight minutes? And I'd like, when we're in pairs, I'd like you, the first person you choose who it is to try to teach someone else your language. 
give them some hints about how to speak to you in your own language. And then after three and a half or four minutes, then Chloe will send a signal and we'll change roles and then we'll come back. So everybody got it? Okay, we're okay. And Chloe, you ready? Hit it, baby. You have to join your room. You have to click on join. Bye-bye, see you. I am in waiting room 10. Theoretically, someone else will appear soon so we can teach each other how to speak in our own language so that to, to establish a better communication skill of learning to speak in someone else's language. So far, no one has dared enter waiting room 10 yet. So I still am talking to myself. Of course, that might be a really excellent thing to do is to teach myself how to speak to myself in my own language. So the first thing you have to know about me is that I have some form of dyslexia that's, that's a, a, such a subtle and, and bizarre form of it that nobody ever caught me. But I caught myself having to triple check, quadruple check numbers and details to be very clear and specific about how to, what, what was I actually writing or what was I actually saying or what was I trying to describe? And in the process, built some kind of a muscles inside of my, my system where I did not believe myself the first time I would say something. But that also gave me a very strong bullshit detector because then I also did not believe anybody else the first time they said something. So then there was a gap. There was a gap between, between me and my own communication and me and other people's communication that was enough. It wasn't so noticeable, but it was enough to check things. I also used this <clears throat> to be uh, per, like for my profession for a while. For some years, I was a circuit board checker. There's this is a triple combination check, not that this is so interesting, but there's a schematic diagram and there's a diagram for how to make the, the schematic electronic diagram into a circuit board. And then there's the circuit board checking to the real actual object in my hand. You have to check all the details in that. So I made lots of money over several years uh, being a circuit board checker designer checker. And Looks like I have a Teresa. Hello, Teresa. Hello. Hello. Will you turn your video on, please? Yes. Hi. We're in a we're in a room together for a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> you know the exercise? No. I'm trying to teach you in a couple of minutes how to use my language, how to talk to me in my language. And then we'll change roles and you teach me how to talk to you in your language. I don't just mean French or what's your language, your mother tongue? German. So, so I don't just mean German. I mean your particular Teresa language. So you understand the question? Not right. really. I'll, I will go first. So my name's Clinton. Mm -hmm. And actually my name is Clinton Cummings Callahan III. That means there were three Clintons. And so when I was baby, 
They could have called me Clint or Clinton, but there was already one of each, my father and grandfather. And what that means is, is that they had to come up with a new name for me. So they called me Budge, which is a bizarre name. It doesn't really exist. It doesn't work in, in English really. So I don't have a name. Uh, I thought my name was Budge for my whole first part of my time. And so then at high school, I went to college, I learned my name was Clinton, but that was too se severe. So I called myself Clint. And then after 10 years in 2000 something, I changed my name to Clinton, which was actually the name in my passport. So one way to talk to me is to know that I don't have, I don't actually have a name. I, I didn't get a name till I was 50 years old, something like that. So Aunt Chloe did not tell us to change roles yet. Oh, wait. Uh, yes. Oh, man. Sorry. Okay, you get you get two minutes. Please go ahead. Can you tell me how to learn to talk to you in your language? Uh, sorry, I don't get it. I, I have I have to find my own thing or you tell me how to talk to you or how to listen to you. Um Ooh. See? you never thought of it before. No, I never thought. That is why we're doing it. And that is why so many people can't talk to you. Because you don't teach them how to talk to you in your language. You have German, but there's Teresa language. Teresa language. Mm -hmm. so you're, yes. you're talking to me right now. Your fingers like this. Yeah. And your fingers like this. And then your fingers. And this is language from you. Yeah, yeah. And so if I don't know what that means, I can't talk to you. So I need to learn what this means. Okay, this okay. Means. Yeah, I can tell you. Okay. Yeah, but she went through Michelle. I stepped on a scorpion. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was interesting to, yeah, to see how I went from sheer agony and total pain and fear to my five bodies within that whole experience of the scorpion. Yeah, that's what I was sharing. I sent them the, the photo. I'll, sh I'll share it in the group. It's a, a big guy. Hmm. I even apologized to the scorpion for having stepped on him at some point or her, which was interesting. Thank you. Does anybody have any sharing about trying to teach other people to, to understand your language or how to learn a language from somebody else, how to learn to listen and speak to somebody in their language. Anybody sharing something about that? I'll share something first. When I first got in my room, there was nobody there. So I took on the challenge of trying to teach myself how to speak in my own language. And that was an excellent thing to do. I will keep working on that. There's so much I didn't know that I was needing in my own language to understand myself. So I was really missing out on a lot. So that was valuable to somebody else. Yeah, Mark. Yes. I'm just observing that it's about wanting to communicate versus learning another language for me. So what I hear you when say- When I have the desire to- Go ahead. What I heard you say is that your, 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 your most familiar thing is to say your own, to speak out, but, but in terms of listening to other people, it was a, this is a different territory. 
Is that what you're saying or what you're saying? Uh, no, um, I would go the other way around. So I was a good listener and I'm finding that it's my intention to communicate with the other. Um, I can't, I can't pronounce his name, but it's Dyozen, I believe, was who I was paired with. And, and just the name, he, he shared his name with me, and that was where I could not understand. But my intention to communicate with him was what I stayed tuned into, and we found communication in our own ways. And what he was able to share with me was wonderful. We even got we even got bookmarked. Thank you. Oh my Which is hardware store in German. <laughs> yes. Baumark is the hardware store in Germany. In Germany. <laughs> okay. We picked up on this thing. Now I was together with Mark and yeah, uh, I think the first half it took us to get to my name because the names were not listed down there. And I know that there are people with more common names than mine. But we had a, it was a communication from heart to heart. We felt good. The contents or the, the density of uh, the communication which was going on was not as deep as it could be, but we had only two minutes we felt. And it was a nice exercise. Yeah, thank you. So the idea was to teach the other person how to speak in your language so that you could use the alternative languages each one of you has developed to better communicate. Somebody else want to share something about that? I'll go. I was sharing with Ingrid. Jen, that... hold on. Shannon, hold on just one second. Phyllis was first and then Shannon. Go ahead, Phyllis. Oh, okay. I didn't hear her. I didn't want to, I, what I'd like to share is that I've been on a year journey with my brother. We both speak English and we speak completely different languages. And I don't think that I've taken the time to actually talk about that clearly enough. Um, I've made some efforts, haven't worked. And so, so this has been a great exercise because I realize I need to take, make more effort at doing that consciously. Thank you. Thank you. Shannon, go ahead. Uh, so I was, I was paired with Ingrid and, and, and so I, I learned, I was, ex, I was, um, I was sharing without speaking that, that I like for my hair to be touched and that that is a way to create connection and intimacy. And she shared that in German, you can compose any words that you want, that you can compose words in German, which I didn't know. And she gave me the gift of Sat Har Bariam. Excellent, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> so, and somebody else. I hadn't realized how so much of the body, so the physical body is present in language. When I first started sharing, it was really about the body communicating. 
and relaxing and the value of how much is communicated just here in this space before words are even spoken. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? I just got that the sharing is more about the sensation of how the words feel. I, I didn't get that while we're doing the exercise, but afterwards I was like, okay, sharing the sensation of how it feels to communicate would actually share what I mean with the words I say. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. So this, is, this will be our first practice for the week, I propose. I propose that we with several people, one person a day or three people during the week, spend some time bringing this, it's kind of a meta conversation of here we are talking and I'm making these assumptions about what it, what it, how, I'm, how I talk with you, how I, how I communicate with you. And so please teach me some things about you that would help me communicate better with you. I mean, so when I was talking to myself, because nobody was in my room yet, I was, I was acknowledging that I've discovered that part of my language, part of my communication has to do with being to some degree, some undiagnosed form, weird form of dyslexic. And that that has produced certain ways for not taking myself seriously the first thing that I say it might be wrong. Even the second time I look at a thing, it might be wrong. I generally have to triple check something before I start believing what I say. And the same thing works for other people. So somebody says something to me, I'm not gonna take it at the first, first value. I have to check it again and then check it again. And then, so that's it, made this gap or this space in, in my communications where I'm triple checking things as a, as a meta conversation ongoingly. So anyway, this is, I think, and Chloe has figured this out, that it's a dangerous in, uh, kind of propeller to talk into because it just doesn't uh, take things for granted, something like that. Uh, Ingrid, did you have your mic on? Were you gonna say something? Okay, all right. All right, anybody want to share anything from during the week? or any, anything to share right now? I have something, Clinton. Go ahead, Mark. While we're, while we're on language, <clears throat> I've been exploring the concept of uh, prime language. And that's the language that exists between a mother and an infant, a newborn, where there, where words are meaningless for the most part. It's all the tone and inflection and connection in the moment holding this small being and negotiating with it. And I think that there's an aspect of that that I'm exploring um, to see if there's not some healing processes for myself in that. Wow. 
I I think that would also be an an integral part of the of the work we were just doing. I think it would be an integral way <clears throat> that we learn to communicate with our mother or our caretakers at the very beginning before words that we might still be carrying and hold as expectations or needs or something in the way we communicate. Yes. I have something I, I wanna share. Can I go? Yeah, thank you, Mark. Thank you. Go ahead, Dor. Thank you, Mark. I did an experiment this week of the driver. So my driver is to go fast, to, to finish everything, to, to, to make it fast. And, and this was, I mean, wow, that was crazy. Like doing... I mean, trying to, it changed the way I plan things. So I, I had this week and I wanted to get to all these places on time. And then I, I changed my plans to, to not try to make everything happen. And, and the way I communicate with people to, to try to make, you know, the interaction going to the where I want to go. And just like, so I, I just realized this week how much this driver is basically dictating my life, like how my life is going to look like where I'm going to be, what I'm going to do, who I'm going to talk to. It's, it's huge. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. I mean, that's the value of becoming aware of these forces called drivers, both the quote-unquote positive ones and <clears throat> the quote-unquote negative ones. You know, be late or be sloppy or make a mess or attack the space holder or all these things. So these are this is that's the point was to make it conscious because then you get a choice about it. So thank you very much. Anybody else something right now? Hello, Irena. Hello, I just want to say hi. I'm from Costa Rica and I'm so glad to be here. I've been um, studying the last week's, the post that, that you already did, and I really appreciate it. And um, I'm so grateful to be here and just want to say hi to everyone. We just wanted to say welcome. So, welcome, Irena. Thank you. <laughs> it's a it's it's pretty big thing to have the attention of 26 other people even if we're looking at a screen we're still connected energetically and even if we're spread around the world thousands or tens of thousands of miles away from each other we're still connected instantaneously energetically and to when when we're all doing this, Irena noticed that that you drank something as a way of blocking the the welcome, the actual huge flow of welcome that was coming in your direction. So if you would you like to try an experiment, Irena? That, Irena, can you hear me? That's a yes or no question. Would you like to yes. do an experiment? <laughs> Okay, the experiment is yes. uncross your hands. It's an 
not cross your hands and not even on your lap. So they're not crossed on your lap. Don't go like this and relax your shoulders, relax your shoulders. And we're going and sit closer to the screen, sit up closer so we can really, if you can bring the camera closer so we can see. And we're going to welcome you into this circle. And we welcome you by putting our attention on you and you just let it in. Are you ready? Yes. Take a deep breath. Here we go. Welcome, Irena. Welcome. Welcome, Irene. Welcome, Irene. Una plantita. Gracias. Gracias. Okay. Thank you for doing the experiment. All right, if, if there's no, no other sharing right now, I'll dive into taking possession of your attention. Any sharing, right now? anything else? Any burning anything? Yes, I, need, I want to share something and I was just struggling with me because I didn't want to share. And I wanna share this discovery of mine happening during the last month, which is there's a lot of voices flying through my head. And I can use my voice blaster to shoot them and then they're not there anymore. And I was just writing about one more step, which was, okay, I know now how to shoot voices and I do not, they don't have impact anymore. Until I was sitting there and the friend Vera actually was asking me, why can't you do the next step? And then I had this belief and this deep sensation right in my heart that I just can't because I actually cannot hold space. And I was so sure that this is the truth, the deepest truth inside me because it's in my heart. And then I said it out loud and I realized it's just a fucking another voice. And it's, it has made its way into my heart. So please watch out what you help for the truth out of your heart, because it can just be a fucking voice, which you can shoot. Wow, thank you. The reason, the reason that really strikes me is because well, I've been, because we memorize, for example, if I ask you to sing a song, that you know by heart, you can sing the song and you will sing it perfectly. And while you're singing it by heart, you'll be able to think other thoughts in your mind at the same time. Has anybody noticed that already? Yeah, so that, so that your heart knows all kinds of stuff and it's in there. And it, you see, you know, we know a lot of things by heart. We know a lot of things by heart. And, and the mind is different from that. And the voice blaster tool has been, it was originated to shoot voices in the mind. So, but what you're telling us is you've discovered that there can be voices that we know by heart. Whoa. So in your research, does it work to shoot them? How, how do you, how does it work to, Mm, as is like to vanish the voices, the useless, repetitive, false, 
you know, voices from the heart? What's the way to work with that? It works to shoot them by speaking them out loud. Really, it is captured in the heart and then you say the voice, which you keep for the absolute truth that I can because I know it inside and then you say it. And so maybe you have to say it again until it's present right in front of you and then you can shoot it. Thank you. Thank you, wow, that's big. Oh, so you already have your second experiments to do this week, which is to keep your eyes out, keep your attention out for noticing voices that have become petrified, dead and mechanical in your heart, just like the words to jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way, you know, you can sing this song and think other things. Okay, but if you have a voice in your heart that's telling you, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I will never be good enough. Na, 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 na. These are, it's, it doesn't mean that it's real. It's a voice. So that's a exercise number two today for this next week is really find those voices that have become found their way into your heart as you've memorized them by heart. Is there another language that says that in a different way? It's when you learn something by heart, is there, how else can you say that? There's another way in English called by rote, but it doesn't, it's not very clear. Somebody else, is there another language? Polish, Hebrew, some other language? In yeah, Hebrew. Dor in Hebrew, we say Balpe, which means on our mouth. So I think it's different than the heart. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right. I think we're ready. Can everybody please take a deep breath? Make sure you have your center, your energetic center on your physical center. And as soon as that's there, Use your clicker and make sure you have your grounding cord goes from your center to the middle of the earth. I don't see, I didn't hear many clickers, so maybe you had it already. And then at the count of three, please tell me the color of your grounding cord. One, two, three. Yellow, orange. Yellow. Yellow. Wrong. Thank you. And then one more click of your clicker to make sure you have your energetic bubble of space, personal space, and one more click of your clicker and help hold our meeting space together here all over the world, this multifaceted golden cube of space that we're all together in here for the next hour and a half. We're on page 132, section 61 called Take Possession of Your Attention. I start to read now. To stop being a slave of denial and a slave of unconscious drivers, you will need to take possession of your attention. And I stop right now because there is an assumption in that statement. And that is that this is something that you want. But it may not, you may not have consciously chosen this may not be something that you want. 
you may not want to stop being a slave of your drivers. You may think that you're a valuable person because you are faster than other people or you're stronger than other people or you are you please the authorities so well. That might make you think you're a good person or a wonderful person because you follow this driver and it just has you and you think that's one of your qualities, one of your good qualities. And so to be a slave of your unconscious driver and to, to stop being a slave of that unconscious driver, you may not have decided that you want to do that. And so this whole conversation might not be in resonance with what you really want. So I, I just want to remind us that we're in this section of the book. You know, we spent months and months going through the ordinary spaces, the ordinary qualities of relationship. And we dove in there and dove into the mud and kept diving deeper. And we've been doing emotional healing processes and all this stuff to take possession of the shadow world part of our relationships and how to, how to create ordinary relationships. And so we're in the section of the book now where we're, we're entering how to create extraordinary relationships. And so a lot of the, I was just, while I was looking for where we were starting today, I scanned chapters that are in front of us still, chapters we will soon be visiting. And this is heavy duty stuff. It is amazing and powerful and unspoken in almost any other context. This stuff is not distinguished and is and it works. And so and this is where we're going. And if it's not OK for you to stop being a slave of unconscious drivers, you will be at war with me and this space and the book. So I, just, I really want to stress this point that we're entering territory that's not delivered to us from modern culture, not from our parents, not from school or church or the university doctorate degrees, nowhere do they deliver this stuff. And it's going to identify in excruciating detail, unconscious behaviors that navigate us to ordinary. And if, if that's not fun for you, if you, if you don't think it's really great to have the rug pulled out from underneath what you thought was real and true and important, if that's not a fun hobby for you, you should shift out of this group and go join another one because this is where we will be going. So I'm, I'm actually surprised we still have 27 people on this call. And we have had up to 40 and stuff, people on the call and we're at 27 today, but I thought we'd be down to about six people by now because we're in the extraordinary part. So, so I'm going to, I'm telling you, it's going to be a rough ride, but for me, it's the best ride in town. It's, it's a high, if you go to, if you went to Disneyland before you had these different price tickets, the A tickets were like getting to, you know, see a plastic horse and B tickets were getting to ride on a plastic horse and the C tickets, well, something actually moved and the D tickets well, this is, and the E ticket was the Matterhorn. Well, this is about an H ticket or maybe an M ticket, something like that, an L ticket, the love ticket. It's definitely an, an extraordinary ride ticket. So you have paid high price to get on a wild ride. I just want to make it to have the meta conversation so that we're, we get what's happening. So we are functioning under the assumption 
that it's interesting for you to no longer be a slave of denial and unconscious drivers. And in order to do that, you'll need to take possession of your attention. So that's where, we're, that's where we are right now. We do not normally think much about our attention. Perhaps this is because our attention is so close to us. It's like glasses, eyeglasses on our nose. We sometimes forget that our attention is with us, that we actually have an attention. But our attention is there. And neither our culture, modern culture, nor modern education informs us about how extremely important your attention is in your daily life. And in particular, how extremely important your attention is in the quality of the relationships that you create. Relationship is about, quote unquote, being together. This being with a capital B has two components. It has our attention and it has our presence. So in case you haven't checked it out yet, there's this really powerful website called Become Present and it will it doesn't have everything on there, but it has a fantastic basis for an, a, a, an, a, a bunch of experiments regarding becoming present. So become present is this fantastic uh, resource for this whole thing. But relationship is about, is about presence and it's about attention, both of those things. So a person's presence grows in direct proportion to the growth of the matrix structure upon which consciousness can grow. Let me say that a different way. Uh, in our being, we can build matrix. Matrix is built out of distinctions. Each time you get a new distinction, it lands in your being and changes your energetic structure such that your, your, your being can catch more consciousness. And this is, it's just, it's just physics. So a being's, a person's presence grows in direct proportion to the growth of the matrix structure upon which consciousness can grow. Since matrix only grows slowly and under certain conditions, so these are the matrix building conditions. Presence also grows slowly over time. So this, what I'm saying by this is sustainable, sustainable presence grows slowly over time. What that means is that you can only build matrix at, there's a speed limit to how fast you can build matrix. I wish this was not true. I often wish we could take a pill or have one initiatory experience after which time we were adult or we could hold a maximum amount of consciousness, but it doesn't work that way. There's a speed limit to how much you can build and hold matrix. And so mm, this conversation space that we're in is a, is a matrix building experience. And that's perhaps you've noticed that over the weeks, you'll notice that you're not the same person you were a few weeks before because while paying attention, while being present in this space, something happens to your being and it gets new distinctions put in that automatically catch and hold more consciousness and you're more aware of things that you were not aware that you weren't aware of before. 
You notice things that you didn't notice that you didn't notice before. And that, that's how this works. We're putting, we're putting distinctions into your being so you can hold more awareness. And that shows up in your daily life and the quality of the decisions that you make and also the offers that you can make to someone else in relationship. Okay, watching presence grow would be like trying to watch hair grow. Rather uninteresting in terms of how fast it grows. <clears throat> we cannot really do anything with our presence in terms of making it grow faster or work with it. You can just build matrix and you become more present and it just, and the qualities of your presence shifts and expands, but it has this speed limit. That's about it for that game. However, that is not true with attention. Your attention is mobile and flutters about like a butterfly in a daisy field. When you turn on the television, your attention flutters about like a butterfly in a tornado, the tornado being the television. So attention is your main tool in relationship because you can do something with it. You can actually work with your attention. Learning to own, to possess your attention is as crucial, is as crucial to extraordinary human relationship as learning to turn the steering wheel is to driving a car or a bicycle. That's how, that's how central and crucial consciously working with your attention is. Mostly during the day, our attention is not our own or your attention is not your own. Mostly during the day, your attention is owned by the biggest sound the strongest urge, the brightest flash, or the most dangerous, quote unquote, dangerous threat in your environment. If there is any passing billboard that shows the skin from a half naked woman or man, your attention is gone, gone <clears throat> ordinarily. Taking back possession of your attention is not easy. And so mm, I've mentioned it before, but we have this website called Authority. And what we're talking about here is taking authority back for your attention so that you, you cause, direct, create, transform, split, move, and work with, you take authority back for doing all that with your attention. <clears throat> so, for one thing, you face cutthroat competition from professional attention predators. Let's just talk about that for a second. Out there in the world over the last 20, 30, 40 years, there have been complete new professions developed based on brain chemistry, uh, psychological understanding of how to uh, attract, take, uh, own someone else's attention. And huge corporations, I'm just reading the next sentence, huge corporations spend billions of euros every year in order to get your attention. Corporate marketing departments 
receive immense budgets for hijacking your attention for two reasons. The first reason is because it works, meaning they can hijack your attention. If you don't own your attention consciously, they can easily. So it works. Your untrained attention is easy to steal. It is easy. And the second reason is because getting your attention more than pays for itself. Because if they have your attention, they have your credit card. They have your wallet. As soon as they get your attention, <clears throat> they've got your wallet. So it more than pays the billions of euros they're investing in how to take your attention even more effectively. So it is, I don't know if it says this here, but it is so revolutionary to refuse to take to refuse to give your attention to those things where they're trying to get your attention. So a lot of the work of and entering, creating and entering extraordinary and archetypal relationship has to do with not putting your attention where some people want you to put your attention and putting your attention where some people do not want you to put your attention. In a way that means ignoring the bright things and looking into the shadows. Because the bright things is the ordinary thing that attracts our attention. And the shadows is the thing that looks boring or it looks like there's nothing there. So, so this is a, an exercise to, to do during the week also is practice not looking at the bright things and looking at the shadow things. So I don't know if you've noticed what it's, if you're driving a car or a bicycle and you go down the road and you come to a, a red light, did you ever notice how your whole quality of presence changes at the red light? It's, it's like everything stops. You might be having a conversation, an idea, a, a flow, and you come to the red light and it's like, stop, everything stops. And you wait till the light turns green. And when it turns green, then it starts up again. Did anybody ever notice that before? It's so weird, isn't it? Like, but if you didn't, if you don't notice it, if you do not notice it, then you cannot have a choice about not doing it. And so this would be the point here is to try to stay awake. Try to stay awake at red lights. I want to I want to talk about all these exercises. There's so many great exercises to do to, to start working with your attention. I don't know how many of them are in the book, but Another another fantastic thing to do is using doorways as a way of of keeping your attention. Like so, I remember trying to stay awake when and when I was going through a doorway. So I this was in Santa Rosa, California. I would I was uh, working in a pizza company. I was a repairman, and so I had a repair truck. And so for lunch, sometimes I would stop at this donut shop, and so. I would sit in the truck, my little orange pickup truck with all my tools and stuff for repairing the pizza shops. And I'm sitting there and I go, okay, I'm awake right now. I know that this is a space. I know that I'm paying attention to my attention. I'm going to get out of the car. I'm going to go through the door of the car, stay awake. 
walk over to the donut shop, go through the donut shop door, stay awake, you know, get my donuts, walk out the door and then come back in the core and car. And I will, re I will, I will stay awake for the entire journey. And the next thing I would remember would be sitting back down in the car with my donuts. And I had been sleeping the whole time. The entire four other doorways that I went through were knocked me completely unconscious. It was completely sleeping in that time. So the using the use of doorways to pay attention to your attention is an is a challenge. It's a big challenge. So I encourage you to try to try that. So, so the reason to learn to work with your attention is because where your attention goes, your energy flows. I'm sure you've heard that before. If you do not know <clears throat> where your attention is at any moment, at any moment, I'm saying, if you do not know where your attention is at any moment, meaning if where your attention is, is not placed there consciously, that's, that's when you know where your attention is because you placed it there consciously. Then that is where your energy goes into the unknown. So then your, your energy is flowing into a place where you did not consciously place your attention. That's very valuable stuff. Your energy is hugely valuable stuff. And the more conscious you become, the more aware you become, the more tasty your attention becomes to those things that like to eat that kind of attention. So, so the more you work on yourself, the more important this becomes because you'll have more challenging creatures trying to get your attention and therefore your energy. So if, if a creature can hook you into a low drama or to going to sleep or becoming mechanically reactive, you're immediately out of the extraordinary and you're feeding your life energy into something that you don't even know what it is. This is, this is, it turns out to be pretty, really important stuff. Dora, were you putting your hand up? Go ahead. Yes. <clears throat> so this is an experiment. If you want to see some gremlins going crazy and trying to hook you, just if you, when you notice someone is, is, like very active gremlin attention then, then try to shift your attention from him and just like don't put your attention wow their gremlin is gonna like everything he has gonna throw all the hooks he have on you it's like a really good unhookable practice how long have you been able to do it i mean i'm level three right now from my dojo unhookable practice i've been dealing with some nasty gremlins <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Um, Anything else from anybody else right now? Yeah. What does level three mean, Dora? I suggest you come to my uh, asshole pirate improvisation training and you'll see. I'll talk about it more there. Okay. Is it online? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'll write you. So actually, Eula, he got your attention by not saying what level three is. It's a trick from his gremlin. It's just a trick from his gremlin to do that. So I don't think he did that consciously, but he did it on purpose. 
Can you get the difference? He did it on purpose, but it was not conscious. And he, so he got you. Probably everybody wanted to know what level three was. And most of us are going, God, what a sloppy trick. I know that trick. Not going for that one. But you went for it. So, Dor, you have to get better tricks. Okay. Well, it worked on me. Oh, hello? What? It, it worked on me, I'm saying. I guess you sensed that. Okay, back to attention school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you are not consciously placing your attention somewhere, then you are unconsciously placing your attention somewhere else. And that is where your energy is disappearing. So if you notice yourself more exhausted or more tired with less energy than you think that you should have, it might be useful to start figuring out where your attention is flowing, where your energy is flowing. And where your energy flows is what your attention is on. And your attention might be on things that you're not consciously aware of. So if during the day, you are trying to plan the future or worry about something or, or, or change something from your past or be in a conversation with somebody who's not in front of you. So nothing can happen. It's just going over and over this conversation. Or if you have this really strong desire for the latest model iPhone and you have this lust or this kind of desire for this, you've, you've gotten on the streetcar named desire and your energy is going off to try to obtain one of these new iPhones or whatever it is. I, I could go on and on. There's a long list of possible places where your attention can go that you're not aware of where your attention is going. But if you end up more, like I said, less with less energy than you think you should have, then start using your team to help you figure out where you are unconsciously putting your attention on things. So one of the, one of the things in the movie Fight Club that uh, Brad Pitt, the Brad Pitt character is talking about in early on in the movie, he's talking about possessions. He's talking about how what you own owns you. So to own a physical thing, like, I own these, these little goggles. These are like underwater, these are water swimming goggles. And so I got to see some fish today in the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm laughing now because I made a promise to Anne Chloe that at some point during the talk, I would tell you all that I got to see fish today. And so I didn't know how it would occur, but I kept my promise. But see, I own this thing now. And so that means I have to find a place for it in my carry-on bag. And it has a case that goes around it to protect it. And it's all this fucking plastic. It's only plastic. And it can scratch easily. But if I don't take care of it, then it will get, I will be scratched and broken or I will lose it. Or when I want to go look at fish, I won't have it. And so there's some energy I have tied up in this little thing that I own. And so every, like this shirt, uh, really my, my wallet thing, like every single thing that I own has my energy tied up in it. Like this, I got it at, what does it say? Granada. 
which is a city in Spain, part of Spain. So it has memories in it, it has energy in it. And so every single thing that you own uses up a certain amount of your attention and energy. And it's a useful exercise to go through and pick up every single thing in, in your possession and look at it and go, is this giving me energy or taking energy? And because you do have your attention on it, even stuff that you forget, it's in the bottom of the closet, the back of the garage, it's in the attic, it's in the basement, you know, the bottom, the back of your drawer, like those old socks or the 44th pair of shoes or these old broken tennis rackets that could get fixed someday. Like all of these things, these every single one of those things takes energy from you because you have a little bit of attention on it. And so this is all important information if you want to use your, your attention and therefore your energy more consciously to create more extraordinary possibilities and spaces. And so it's, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just saying, if you own a thing, then it's costing you energy. So is it worth it? You know, there's this balance. Is it worth, is each thing that you own worth owning it? Because it costs you. Each person wakes up in the morning with the same amount of energy as everybody else. The difference between the results that one person or another person creates is precisely what they do with their attention. Do you think that Mother Teresa had special solar bioenergy collectors that gave her the inspiration to create and to manage a worldwide service program? No, she did not. She succeeded because she learned to discipline her attention. Do you think Nelson Mandela stayed sane in prison for 27 years by luck? No, he paid careful attention to what he was doing with his attention. I mean, in this incident, this incident, this example with Nelson Mandela, I mean, imagine feeling abused or feeling wronged, feeling uh, excluded, or like, imagine the stories that Nelson Mandela could have made up about him being stuck in this horrible, insanely torturous prison for 27 years. Can what kind of stories he could have made up about it? And Chloe? Yeah, can you read again the last two sentences? Because you were cut off and I think that yes. it's, yeah. Okay, so do you think that that one, Mother Teresa had special solar bioenergy collectors that gave her the inspiration to create and manage a worldwide service program? No, she did not. Mother Teresa succeeded because she learned to discipline her attention. Do you think that Nelson Mandela stayed sane in prison for 27 years by luck? No, he paid careful attention to his attention. And what I was saying was, one of the things that also directs our attention is to the stories that we tell ourselves, the stories that we hold. So if you have a story, it is like owning a, a, a spare set of ice skates, an extra set of ice skates, or uh, um, 
four raincoats or 16 umbrellas, or if you have a story, it is no different from having a physical object because holding and maintaining a story costs you energy. So we have stories about ourselves. We have stories about other people. We have stories about what we're supposed to do in the world like this with people like them. We have stories about what's possible, what's not possible. We have many stories. Every story you hold costs you, just like another pair of hiking boots at the back of the closet that you haven't even looked at in eight years. I mean, it costs you energy. So every story. So Nelson Mandela was in a condition, for example, where he could have made up huge stories about being abused or being rejected or having political power used against him, et cetera, et cetera, being betrayed. He could have made up all these stories. And instead, he managed the story library. He managed his own library of stories that he was using on himself and on the world. And he, he did it to good effect. To a, he's an example of someone who uses, but he had no more energy than you or me every morning when he wakes up. The same amount of energy as you or me when we wake up in the morning. What did he do with it? What are you doing with it? You can figure out what you are placing your attention on, and then you can figure out where your energy is going. And then it, you can and you can get help with that. The people on your possibility team, they they're starting to know you. And so they they have very clear and useful information about what's going on that you might not be paying attention to. So you can say, hey, look, I'm making a list of the ways that I'm putting my attention on certain things that I didn't no, I was putting my attention on, please tell me. You write down what they say. And especially if you don't even understand what they're talking about, write down exactly what they say. Because you didn't, you never even thought of putting your attention on things the way that they see you putting your attention on things. And that's costing you. So it's fantastic teamwork in your possibility team because they can see things about you that you cannot see about yourself. That's how this goes. I'm reading still. You can learn to pay attention to your attention by consciously practicing to move your attention from one thing to another. So this is one of the uses of your possibility stone. You can, you can place your attention on your possibility stone. You grab your possibility stone and... I am sitting in my bathing suit and I don't have my possibility stone. So it's over in the other room, but you grab your stone and you look at it or you put your finger on it. You put your finger on your possibility stone and where you can feel the sensation of the hardness or the coldness or whatever of the stone, that is where your attention is right now when you can feel it. And then you let go and you put your fingers on nothing. And then you put your finger back on this stone. And then you put your finger back on nothing. And you do that for a couple of minutes. You just do that six seconds here, three seconds here, two seconds here, eight seconds here. You, you choose and you go back and forth by putting, and this starts to develop a muscle inside of you about where you are placing your attention. 
So you can place your attention on an object. In this case, I said a possibility stone. You can also put your attention on an image in your mind, for example, or over there on the wall. You can put your attention on a sensation. Like I said, the sense of the touch or pressure or temperature of the stone. Or you can put your attention on an idea, for example. You can move your attention from one object to another object. You can lose your attention. Do you ever have that sense of losing your attention? It's like you go unfocused. It's like, oh God, what was I thinking of? What was I saying? I was trying to remember. It's like, it's a, it's a sense of losing your attention. I'm trying to tell you this because, because your attention is like a physical thing. It has many characteristics of a physical thing because you can lose your pen. You can lose your hairbrush. You can lose your car keys. You can lose whatever. You can lose things. Well, you can lose your attention. Then you can find your hairbrush. You can find, you can find it again. So you can get your, you can find your attention again. You go, ah, have it back. Okay, I'm back in focus. I've got it again. It's very much like a thing. And you can move your attention from one place to another, just like you can move your phone from one place to another. Pull it out of your pocket, put it on the table. You can move your attention the same way from one place to another. You can become aware of where you are placing your attention and why. You can give your attention to someone else. You can give your attention away. You can basically let someone else have your attention. And in a way, we love doing that. That's why we love movies. That's why we love stories. We like to let our attention go on a ride in a story or a movie. Somebody's telling us a story. We snap into that story almost immediately. So it's great to know, you start to notice this seg- the sensation called snapping when you get sucked into a story world. And then you know where your attention is. You gave it to the story over there to someone else. So you can give your attention away. You can take it back. You can steal someone else's attention. That's what Dor was doing by not saying what level three was. He's stealing people's attention. God, what's level three? That could be cool. Could be bullshit. I don't know. It's door. What are we going to do? Ignore it. Oh, no, I I really want to know. Then we have to talk to door. And then what's the next trick? I don't know. So, so, but you can steal other people's attention. You can split your attention. This is a big deal. Being able to split your attention is a big deal. And we'll be working more with this as we get deeper into creating extraordinary relationship and navigating extraordinary spaces. So you can can split your attention. You can pay attention to more than one thing at the same time. For example, you can drive your bicycle, chew gum, listen to the radio, watch interesting people on the sidewalk, scratch your nose and make plans for your shopping list all at the same time. You get that? You're driving your bicycle, chewing gum, listening to the radio music, watching interesting people on the street as you go by them, and and, uh, scratch your nose and make plans for your shopping list. 
You can do that all at the same, that's like six different ways. You can split your attention six different ways, but it's, it's unconscious. Now that we're talking about it, you can count the ways and you can go, yeah, I'm splitting my weight, my attention six different ways. We have the capacity to do that. The whole point is make it conscious. Do that on purpose. Don't, I don't recommend trying to start with six all at the same time. Do it with two. Do it with three at the same time. So, for example, how many people still have some attention on your grounding cord while we're talking? How many people still have it on your bubble or in the yellow space? So what I'm saying is, like, for me to hold and navigate this space, I need to be, I'm splitting my attention to all those ways, all the time, all the, all the way along, unless I get hooked by something. And it's easy to get hooked by something. You know, I get lost in my own story. So I look at, so I've got my attention on my center grounding cord bubble. It's three ways and the space and scanning the windows to see if somebody has their hand up and what's wanted and needed in terms of, am I reading the book? Are we answering questions? Are we throwing in comments like that? So it's, I'm holding like five or six, splitting my attention five or six ways. You can do this too. You do it unconsciously, ongoingly, just start making it conscious. And this, this is how, this is where we are going to hold and navigate extraordinary space. Here's an experiment. Start to notice what you do with your attention minute by minute during the day. Quote, this is not an experiment to do while driving your car. Why? Because it throws you into an altered state of consciousness and your car doesn't adapt to the laws of your altered state of consciousness. So please don't do this if you're driving a car or working some heavy machine that's chopping pieces of metal or something. So do this while you're washing dishes or other things. Here's the experiment. Check minute by minute, where is your attention right now? For example, the, the instructions are simple. Pay attention to your attention, the fact that you have attention. Okay, we forget that a lot. So even remembering that you have attention is splitting your attention. You're noticing that you have attention, then you have this question, what am I doing with my attention right now? Am I thinking? Am I feeling? Am I projecting? Am I expecting? Am I strategizing? Am I reacting? Am I being emotional? Am I being spiteful? Am I plotting revenge? Am I creating a nonlinear possibility? Am I, whatever, what's my commitment? Am I holding space? Whose space is this? Where's the authority figure? How, what's my relationship to the authority figure? All of this is paying attention to your attention. And then the next instruction is be aware of what you are aware of. This is a, uh, you, should be, you should do this exercise in your possibility team. I highly recommend it, doing this more than once. You sit across from somebody, one person listens, the other person says, what I am aware of right now is. And so it go, it's a, you're using five bodies. So what I'm aware of right now is an itch inside of my nose that I'm not scratching right now. What I'm aware of right now is I was looking at Carola. She has her left hand punched into her face. 
So I don't know if it's a still picture or if she's thinking and writing. What I'm aware of right now is I, when I punched my face, it hurt and I can still feel the pain. What I'm aware of right now is the tone of my voice echoing inside of the room where we are, the apartment is echoing around. What I'm aware of right now is that I just lifted my left foot off the floor and I don't know why. I just lifted it up off the floor and I don't know why, etc. What I'm aware of right now is a memory of having done this experiment before and how valuable it was for me. What I'm aware of right now is I keep moving my right hand around and it goes by itself. I don't have to tell it. Anyway, it's like that. This exercise is worth doing many times. And as soon as you do it, you will begin to notice the altered space that you go into, which is called the waking state. It is paying it, it's being aware of what you are aware of. And we have the capacity to not be asleep. And the capacity shows up by being aware of what we are aware of. And suddenly, we have this split attention that allows us, there's a dynamic between those two attentions, and it changes who we get to be in a space, how we contribute, how we can participate. The third instruction is think about what you were thinking with. And what that basically means is notice your thoughtware. So what we use to think with is called our thoughtware. And so most of modern culture is using standard human intelligence thoughtware, which is this stuff that's been passed down from generation to generation. We got it from our parents. They got it from their parents. The same old stuff that causes war and competition and low dramas and et cetera, et cetera. Identification with our personality, our box, all that kind of stuff. This is standard human intelligence thoughtware. So you can start to notice what thought were you using to think with. And when you come into possibility management, you start to see that there's other options of what to think with. And when you notice the different options that you have, you can choose to think with a different kind of thought where then the person right across from you is using to think with. They might be thinking with, uh, I'm, I'm better than you are. And you can be thinking with thought where that's like, we're, we're an amazing team. This is a great opportunity for group intelligence. We are collaborating here. So that you can check the thought word that you're using to think with. The, the next instruction is perceive the perceiver. So what I mean by the perceiver is essentially your box. We have this box that is this giant filter that, that completely interprets five body impressions of what's going on inside of us and what's going on outside of us. But normally the perceiver is not perceived. Normally we don't notice the noticer. Normally the whole thing functions like a machine. So this is unconscious. And so what you can do with your attention is perceive which part of you is perceiving. So this website I mentioned before called Parts has so many different parts you can identify in yourself which part is perceiving? This is, this is hugely entertaining. You can, the next instruction is look at what you are looking with. And this has to do with the identity that you are identified with. Who's looking? Who, which, which criteria are you using to even identify a thing that you're looking at? You know, if uh, two years ago you saw this, you wouldn't even know what it is, just like some, I don't know, waste. And if I show it to you now, 
instantly in half a second you go oh yeah that's his mask you know and so that's because we have changed our perceiver the perceiver in us has changed and and so that's what you can perceive in yourself is perceive which perceiver is perceiving and then and then it will make sense of, of what you are perceiving and why and what you are not perceiving and why not and and looking at what you're looking with that's what i was talking about so the identity that you have as a person like our box changes over time so it became like that's why i was using the mask is just so we have identities now that if you don't have one of these on the police can just pick you up you know and take you away so the the other the fourth the next instruction is role play yourself and this is a a way to become conscious of the motivations that you have to that like your drivers that Dora was mentioning, the drivers that we studied last week and the week before, uh, these, these put us into a role. We have a role. I'm the one who, I'm the good boy, I'm the nice girl, I'm the strong one like that, it puts us into a role. So role play yourself is a fantastic uh, exercise, for example, at your possibility team, as part of this experiment, is to go on stage, you know, put up the front of the room and act yourself out on purpose. So you do that by exaggerating 5% or 10% your ordinary behaviors. The next instruction is Notice what you are noticing. We actually already mentioned that one. The next instruction is be conscious of what you are conscious of. In a way, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, the next instruction is sense the way you are sensing. This is huge because human beings are the only things that can change pain into suffering. And human beings are the only things that can change feelings into pain for example yeah it's so if you every one of you right now is feeling physical pain in some way to some degree because you have a physical body and it's giving you ongoing sensual information well some of you have been sitting in the same position for nearly over an hour and you haven't moved. And so this part of you, whatever is feeling pressure or it, our bodies are designed to move. And if we have not been moving, there's a pain. If you pay attention to that particular pain right now, you go, oh yeah, gosh. And, and then you move, you move to find a more comfortable position. So oftentimes we do not sense what we are sensing. And then what the, what the result of that is that Um, automatic functions come into play, such as stories or interpretations that make something into what it is not. So if I'm feeling 3% angry because there's a stone under my foot, a tiny little piece of sand or something, um, I can let that bother me and I could hate the, the cleaning lady. I can hate the cleaning lady because I feel a tiny, I see a wrinkle in, a, in the cushions are not correct or a wrinkle in the sheets or 
there's an empty glass on the table. Whoever was supposed to clean the kitchen did not clean the kitchen. Okay, so I can I can make this, I can sense from my eyes, my ears, my nose, you know, somebody farts, I smell it, whatever. The, the whole, my surroundings through my senses can force me into being a victim. I can be a victim. If I am not sensing the way I am sensing, the automatic way I will sense will probably be a victim or a persecutor or a rescuer. It will show up that way. But when I start to sense what I'm sensing, I can sense it without a story attached. I can sense it so it does not mean something. I can sense it so that I, I don't have to give it an interpretation. And, and I can, the next, the last instruction, I can observe the observer and so, so on. So the observer is simply what that means is when you split your attention, when you take your attention and split it into two pieces, you can observe, you can take this part of your attention, put it outside of your box, turn the eyes around, look at yourself, and you can observe the way you're observing the world. And so this is called self-observation. And this is also all a part of using your attention consciously. So what I just said on this list of instructions for the experiments to start doing is kind of a storm. It's, bit, it's a tidal wave. And uh, I apologize for that because this would be, a, like for example, a year's worth of practice. Each one of these, you do one of these a month for a whole year, for example, and start to develop your attention muscles. And so since this is not a course on developing your attention muscles, it's a course, it's a, a study book for creating extraordinary and archetypal relationship, then it's in your department now. It is up to you. It's left to the observer. It's left up to you to make a, a schedule for yourself to practice these things. It's really up to you. And so I'm telling you, I have worked with these things for years and they are gold. They are, they are such a treasure. And there's nobody who can do this for you. Nobody can strengthen your attention muscles for you. Nobody can stop you from doing it. And so this, the list that I just made, which is on page 133, is, this, is a list of experiments that are a couple, worth a couple of years at least. And they, actually they're worth ongoing work. And we, I can, I will refer, you know, the book will refer back to it later on. And the book ex expects you to be doing this now. The book expects you to integrate these things into your life. And so it's kind of like being given a, a treasure box full of magical possibilities. And you go, okay, I got the box now. And then we shut down the study group and you go, into your life and you remember, gosh, that was so great. I had, I got this whole treasure box now. So now I have it, okay. And then a week goes by and we're talking about healing yourself from beliefs, whatever we're gonna talk about next. And, and you'll go, well, yeah, but I still have this treasure box. The thing is, if you don't open the treasure box, reach in, pull these out and start practicing, splitting your attention and having conversations about the conversations and noticing what you're noticing and perceiving the perceiver and putting it on the table. Every time you sit across from somebody at a cafe or every time you 
are in a telephone conversation with or a chat, you know, every time you're, if you don't do that, you, you don't get the treasure. You have the treasure, but you can't use the treasure. Like you have it, but you can't use it. You have it, but it's not yours because you haven't been using it. And, and so because of the nature of a book, you know, we have the book, it's in black and white. Boom, I have it It's on my shelf or it's next to my bed. I can't tell you how many people have told me, yeah, I'm reading Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love. It's right by my bed. Sometimes I put it under my pillow at night. What page you on? 17. How long have you been on page 17? A year. Okay. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard this story. <clears throat> so we're already on page 133. And it's so it's so important to, for you to open the treasure box, reach in, even though you never did this before. You know, you tell somebody, you know, okay, what? Ask me. Say, what are you aware of right now? And then you tell them, they ask you, what are you aware of right now? And you say, I'm aware of that I just itched an itch in my ear and, and then the itch went away and I put my finger down, but it's recorded on the video. And, and, they go, and then they go, that's weird. You go, no, ask me again, what am I aware of right now? Really do that. I'm telling you, it'll be more interesting than talking about the, the virus or the president. Really, it'll be way more interesting than that. So it's up to you. It's really up to you. And I, I don't know about you, but you know, in some ways the world is coming to an end. <clears throat> and so it breaks down the necessity to not be weird. I mean, really, we have permission to be weird in unexpected ways. As long as we don't get thrown in jail, the weirdness adds adds vitality or adds aliveness to our relationships. So I encourage you to do these things, even if it seems weird to people. Um, yeah, I'd like to uh, read this, just this last paragraph and then talk about stuff. So here we go. It's the last paragraph of this section. You can adjust the focus of your attention from narrow, called point attention, to broadband. Narrow focus is called point attention and useful for reading, sawing wood by hand along a marked line, threading a needle, adding up numbers, and listening to what someone is saying. This is called point attention. A broad focus of attention is called field attention and is good for scanning, for navigating, that is, guiding or steering. It's good for meetings to hold a certain purpose, for managing meaning during a conversation, for planning, for multitasking, and so on. Field attention is also sometimes called soft eyes. You can practice this if you walk down the sidewalk. Ordinarily, we're using point attention, looking at this, then at that, then at this. Here's a dog, here's a tree, here's Here's a, a street light. Here's a, here's a door, a door. We're looking at things. To practice field attention or soft eyes, walk down the street and do not focus on anything, particular thing. It doesn't mean unfocus your eyes. It just means don't look at one particular thing. So you look ahead and you see everything. And if you do that in about three seconds, the entire space shifts. It's the same kind of shift as becoming aware of what you're aware of. I encourage you to try this often. 
when you just walk down the street, go into soft eyes and get let and let the world talk to you. There's this different way that the world can talk to you when you're in in field attention than it when you're in point attention. And we're so trained all day long to stay in point attention. So we need to learn how to scan. You need you need soft eyes, field attention for your scanning. And so and you get to practice that. Mm. Learn to use your attention. Learning to use your attention is like learning to ride a bicycle. At first, it feels strange. After a while, you get the knack of it. You get the feel for it. No one else can manage your attention for you. If you don't do it, it does not happen. The instructions for developing conscious attention may seem simple. And carrying those instructions out, following those instructions, can take effort. Becoming aware of what you are aware of has a side effect. It builds matrix and it can allow you to discover and enter the waking state. A number of you have done spiritual practices, meditation or yoga or breathing exercises, things like that. I think that a lot of that work, in addition to building up certain kinds of matrix, also builds up your attention. So for example, if you can sit there for 35 minutes with your eyes closed but not falling asleep you develop a kind of a, a meditation muscle so that you don't just go unconscious and fall asleep but you can stay awake but have your eyes closed and not be doing anything that builds matrix it's a certain kind of attention so i think a lot of the traditional spiritual exercises are about this thing that we've just been talking about about building up your attention for your attention and so the, what I love about this stuff is you can go directly to the, the value point. You can go directly to building, you know, to working on what it really is about. And you, you don't have to go about it in a sideways direction. You can actually go directly to working on your attention. I'm laughing because uh, I remember being in spaces where somebody, there was a guy I used to hang out with called Mike McDonald back in the late 1980s, 1988 or something in Santa Rosa, California. And he, he, uh, he was telling me about this stuff and I would just listen as hard as I could. I would try to understand what the heck he was talking about and I would try to get it and it would be well after midnight and I'd be trying to stay awake while he's talking about, he's having a great time talking about all this stuff. I can see he's excited about it. I can see it turns him on. And I'm just going, what is he talking about? So I remember those times. And when I look back, 
they were very good times. So maybe you'll look back on this conversation and think this was a great conversation. In any case, what's anybody have any thoughts or feelings about any of this stuff? I mean, here, here's an alternative to my question. Please do 25 push-ups or 25 sit-ups right now, and I'll meet you back here in two minutes, okay? One or two minutes, just go do 25 push-ups or 20, 25 sit-ups, and, and I'll, I'll see you back here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, what about now? Any questions or comments? I can make a comment that's Emma Curtis Hopkins, who is the one of the original, the original of new thought idea has a phrase my good is my God. And the meaning of that, my understanding is what we focus on is our good. And we create our reality by what we focus on. What gets our attention is what We uh, bow down to. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to do a redo to Jules' question. Wait, not door, not now. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank I'm, you. Uh, good intentions, wrong timing. Okay. Thank you. James. So I have a thought. I want to see what you think of it. It's related to Sophie Magdalena's, what she was saying about the voice blaster and blasting voices in the heart. And when she was saying that, I thought of Ramana Maharshi or any really advanced meditator. And I was thinking they would blast every, every verbalization that you're like, every voice is a voice to blast. And then I was reflecting as you're sharing what you just shared about attention is I think like identify, identification with the thought stream is the main enemy 
of attention, of having attention of attention. So I wanted to see what you think of the idea of using the voice blaster to blast all thoughts as a practice for attention of attention. Yeah, thank you, James, for bringing that up as a possibility. I think I'm far more interested in <clears throat> noticing when we're applying a story. When am I applying a story to a situation? Because the brain is a like a radio. It's designed to produce an ongoing series of meaningless thoughts. Just ongoing stream of meaningless thoughts. It's just a radio and it does its job perfectly. And so to, to, to shoot the thoughts is like shooting a radio. You're just going to be sidetracked. And the, you know, the radio, you just put it on the side, you know, or turn the volume down a little, it just keeps going, it just goes, just does its thing. But the, but taking, a, gluing a story to a sensation, a thought, a picture, a memory, like to glue a story onto that is an action that we can take possession of. We don't have to do that. And so that I'm far more interested in myself and other people when, when rather than shooting this story, just don't glue it together. Just have, have notice the mechanism of gluing the stories on and stay neutral, stay without story, stay without meaning applied, keeping it neutral without a meaning applied. And then you get this smaller now because stories can't exist in time. Stories exist in time, they can't exist in now. Now it's too small for stories. So if you, if you, if you just refuse, if you just go, God, I just don't need all these stories. I can be in a present situation. I don't need to have the stories attached. I don't need to have the stories attached to have an identity, to have a position, to have an opinion, to have an argument, to prove myself right or better or anything. I don't need the story for that then you can have this presence that has the smaller now that's too small for stories. And this gets very interesting. This I'm far more interested in that. So that's kind of what I think about it. I feel excited about that. And I feel excited. Like, I guess my question then is why not just do that instead of the voice? I think like what you described is much more what I do rather than the voice blaster. It's just, everything can be, what do you think of that? There are still voices, but the voices come from someone else. The voices come from external authority figures usually. They come from a belief system or a corporation saying, you know, IBM is better than Apple or whatever. These Levi jeans are better than Tommy Hilfiger or whatever. So they, we have these voices in our head. They come from someone else. They come from an external authority figure and they're, they're not even really stories that we take on ourselves. It's just giving our being adaptive to external authority figures. And so it's a different functionality. The voices are a different functionality from creating the stories ourselves. Yeah, sure, sure, sometimes we take on stories from someone else, but the voices really are little vampire things that come around. It's a totally different thing than a story. 
Thank you. Yeah, thanks for thinking like this. Gabriel, were you gonna say something? I thought I saw you were gonna say something. Okay, thanks. Lindsay, were you gonna say something? Joseph was gonna say something, go ahead. I have started an experiment, uh, accidental today, to write down everything I do because I, I see myself uh, wandering and, and doing all kinds of different things. So I started to just notice, even it could be like uh, in sequences of a minute or five minutes if it's interrupting something. Uh, and it's a long list of things that I do on uh, a day, but it actually, just by the fact that I know I will have to notice what I do is changing uh, partly uh, all the kinds of um, the, the things that I would um, distract myself. So it, it's, it's, it's really uh, also difficult sometimes not to forget to notice what I do. So to have the observer not go away and, and just leave the room. And mm -hmm. it's kind of a painful exercise, but I like it. it. It really helps me to get a little more track. Can you can you just say what you what you've got out of it besides uh, just noticing the observer? Like, what have you really gotten from it? What have you <clears throat> changed behavior? For example, that's what I mean. Or what what result has come out of that experiment? Uh, the result was that I I am getting much more. Um, aware of these little impulses that would just uh, stop me from interrupting a work. Maybe I would do my taxes for an hour. That was my intention. And then I see all these little uh, demons coming up. Okay, this, you could get a tea. Or, okay, my son has sent an, a message. You could read it. And all these little things come up and they, they are much more uh, I'm much more aware of that and I can let them go because I would have to write them down. So it's even more work if I follow them. So I, I, I just skip them and, and it keeps me uh, on the, to, to, to continue or to finish the, the thing that I had intended to start. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. That's great. Thank you. Somebody else. Clinton, what I noticed was my attention went back to a memory. And it was a memory from when I was teaching at a university, teaching future teachers of special ed students and discovering the lack of uh, attention that was placed on attention for special kids or any children. And I remember feeling so angry about that because attention was a big deal and is a big deal. And when I noticed is that when you were sharing about attention, I went back to that memory and the anger. And I noticed that my attention was in this kind of self-righteous, I was right <laughs> back then. And this is evidence that I was right and I wasn't paying attention. So when I noticed that I came back and paid attention. And, and so that was big for me. Because how many times do we have memories then take our attention away? Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up because I was just having a conversation with Anne Chloe today about that phenomena of 
why she was saying, why am I having a memory of uh, feeling scared about what I said, what she said during uh, one of the Rage Club space holder trainings that she was doing? Why did that, she, she was laying on the beach, she, she had 15 minutes of nothing to do and this quiet now, and then this came up, this, this anger, this frustration, this fear of did I say the right thing? And so what from as a result of our talking, I'm, it, it, we were thinking this seems like an instruction. This sounds like an invitation from Echo. It sounds like an invitation from Echo, the Earth Coincidence Control Office, in this case for her to go back to this woman <clears throat> and check in, have a call and say, hey, remember that time when you said this and I said this, you know, you said you had not more than 25% fear. And I said, so how much do you have? Do you have 50% fear? And then you didn't say anything. Remember when I said that? And then, and then she could go, yes. I go, well, how are you doing with that? That's what she could do. She could say that. And then it would complete the conversation. Who knows what it's really about? Is it for her, you know, and Chloe herself? Is it for this person? Is it for something else that we don't even know about? But the instruction, the invitation comes like that. And so you may have an invitation right there to go back to this teacher-teacher situation, somebody there, and, and go, how's it going with this? Or you might be, this is the next chapter in your book to write about, about the kind of attention is needed, you know, and, and you didn't think of it before. So it's the invitation to do that. It's the invitation for something. So I think we're being given a lot more invitations than we normally notice because we're not paying attention to those kinds of things. So thank you for bringing that up. But I, I imagine each of us once or twice, a few times a day, maybe, as soon as we kind of get centered and present, there are these, this kind of invitation will come. And it can be, I know in my experiments with that, it's been incredibly fruitful. So I would encourage people to try to follow those impulses as invitations from Echo and see what happens. How does it pay? What happens as a result? A lot of them are nonlinear. Like you said, it comes up from a memory from a long time ago. And you'd never thought about it for a long time. And here it is. Okay, let's go with it and see what happens. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take off that thread, Clinton, because it's, it's like I find it really useful when I when I go for walks, I always have, have my phone with me, but in flight mode. And, and then I go into that defocused, how do you say, defocused attention? Yeah, field attention. In the field attention. And I mean, I just keep downloading. <laughs> it's just, I just keep recording like, Blah, 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 blah. I have to call, I have to call her. Blah, blah, blah. That's the next chapter. That's the next idea. That's a, that's an insight. And it's so, I mean, this is like, I just totally recommend it. It's so exciting being in the field attention for walks because it's like plug in and just get it. Just get it. It's very field, field attention walks. Sounds field fantastic. attention download. 
feel the tension. Yeah. That's a fad. Feel the tension download. It's going to be a fad, I'll tell you. Uh, and and it's very energetic. Ener it, it, uh, I, cannot, I cannot speak English tonight. Energizing. I learned how to talk with you, so it's energizing. So, so why do you think it's energizing? Because I'm not thinking. I don't. I think it's something else. Could you give me the next answer? Give me your second thoughts on that. It's energizing because I'm, I'm, I'm connecting to things that want to connect to me. And if you took it to the third thought about that, the next level, what is? Why are you getting energized? What's really energizing I'm you? I'm getting energized because my energy is plugging into the field. Which field? In the field of life, in the energy of life. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm opening up for the flow of life. This sounds like a possible source of energy then it is <laughs> <laughs> yes it is <laughs> it's like a little addiction a good Addic addiction a good addiction <laughs> being alive is a good addiction that should yeah. be a bumper sticker i mean not that we're trying to have more population on planet earth but in any case Thank and it's you. good to have that stuff with me because then I don't have to sit down and write. Or walk while you're writing. Write while you're walking. Yeah, no, but it's, yeah, well, I find it just easier to just being able to talk. Yeah, I mean, my beat book, I can tell if I'm walking or sitting because if I'm walking, the writing is bigger and more messed up. So, but... At least I don't, at least it's for me anyway. I love the beat book because it's, uh, it's parallel. I can access it in parallel. Whereas in your phone, you have to access it one word after another in linear. So you have to access one word. You have to, you can't find stuff in the middle, but the, in the beat book, I can access it all in the middle. It's called parallel access. It doesn't, it's no big deal, but. That's why I love the beat book. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I have a picture now of you walking through the woods just with that device up there and, and these kind of angels talking to you. So it's like kind of this Gaia is talking and, and yours, you know, changing it from a field into a, a physical form of molecules on the chips. And so you're doing alchemy while you're walking. <laughs> Yes, more or less. We have a couple minutes left. There's some people, stuff is cooking for. If a couple people would speak out, please. I want to say that today, that because of the time change, the, the call started an hour later, and I took the opportunity to start writing. And I was writing about... Uh, this deep fear that I have. And, and then I got to a stopping point and, and then this other thing that I've been writing, I, you know, I got an idea for that and I was going back and forth. I went to the other thing and let, and allowed that download to come through. 
and then and then came back to to this thing that had to do with 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 men and fear and the guns and and you know the, the call started with you talking about communication and how we communicate and and um saturday i went to go see an old friend and we were going out to dinner and this bumper sticker on his this decal on his window it had a a, a an assault rifle on it and it said and it said assault life and i knew that you know that that's that's something that that's his hobby but that to read these words to read these words upon entering this vehicle it it communicated so much and i thought and, I, and as i as i'm as i'm getting into this car it, it just like those words weren't in a, aren't in alignment with with who i am and so 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 in terms of communication i couldn't i couldn't fully communicate i couldn't fully communicate because this part of me was just just felt a certain amount of fear and and then i saw like i saw this whole pattern this whole pattern of of being in relationship with men and fear and not communicating withholding and and it was like and i saw my mother and then i saw these other and i thought oh my and so so i'm not going to go into everything but there is like shannon yeah go ahead and say the thing but i want to tell you something that's going to be useful for everybody but go ahead just every every moment every moment if we pay attention there's something there every moment and i just want to add on this thing is that almost everybody in in this conversation has a delicate a more delicate nervous system than most people out there in the world. Most people out there in the world have a high numbness bar. Yes. They're really dead, really walking around in these, if, if you don't hear gunshots or hear moans from people in suffering pain, you, you don't, you're not even, they don't feel anything. You know, I was here in this apartment and this Fort Ventura and, and you know right across is some apartment and some drunk asshole man is screaming his head off at some woman you know and I'm, I'm going what the what's going you know and so you you know we need to learn how to protect yourself you need to learn how to protect yourself and so even seeing this picture on the back of the car there's some energetic tools and one of the things you can do is say for example you look at the thing and you say oh so you don't, you don't just block it. You say, oh, and then O oh, is a black hole. It's basically, or a white hole, whatever you want. But it's, it's this thing, it vanishes the thing, the energetics of the thing. So you don't have to take it into yourself. You have your center, your grounding cord and your bubble. And you say, oh, and that the whole communication from the assault rifle and this whole picture of assault life, you know, it's just, you just say, oh, and then, and it takes it out of the space. So you don't have to take it in you. And so there's many times during a day when I use that, when you need, when, and I recommend you protecting your nervous system 
your sensitive nervous system from having to digest that some way. You don't have to digest that some way. And in addition, I just want to say there's a lot of movies out today and television series that are onslaughts of horror and abuse. And you should be very, very careful about what you expose your nervous system to these days. Because this computer animated graphics is so graphic. It is so accurate and so it pinges so much in your nerve. Really, do not exp- it leaves scars. Do not expose yourself to most, most of that stuff. Really, as soon as you start getting a sense that it's going to be one of those things, turn it off, dump it down a black hole, and, and go read Orson Scott Card or something like that. Really, it's like get it out of your out of your space because there is no reason that you need to listen to that. That's what I'm saying. You do not have to communicate with that. You, you have the right to say no to communications. And even those, even like that, that's what I'm trying to say. Please use the O as a vanishing thing. It's important. Thank you, Thank you for yeah. the O. Yeah, there was this, there was, there's been sadness in me and I thought, where is this coming from? And yes, and, 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 and it's interesting because I, I, it, during the evening I kept, you know, redeclaring my, you know, just like, Re coming back to center. Where's my center? It's here. But the, but yeah, there was still that the the that information was still somewhere. And it, it and so so thank you, thank you. Yeah, and don't hesitate to leave. Don't hesitate to get a taxi. Don't hesitate to not get on the bus. Don't hesitate to do something out of your plan because the universe screams uh, ways to protect yourself. It says, watch out for this. Your fear is is for that. So. Don't numb yourself up. Don't toughen up, you know, and walk into abuse. Just use your nose, sniff for that shit and go the other direction. You don't have to continue on your path at all. Take a right turn, stop moving, go back the other way, call whoever, you know, you can just don't continue blindly into more abuse. It's a, there's nasty, you know, it's a, you need to be careful. Take care of yourself. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Honest, you're going to wrap us up here today? Yeah. Um, the stuff you said about possessing things uh, very much is part of my life now because my kids are moving out and of course they are leaving a lot of stuff inside their rooms. And additional to that, I have all my stuff collected over the years and I more and more become aware that everything that lies around in the flat is is, is getting my attention and everywhere I look, I, I think of Oh, I have to get rid of this. I have to sort out that, uh, sort out about that. Where to get it? On, and I tell my kids to get as many stuff with them. Le- to leave the flat, to to um, lighten my energy possessing meter, uh, and to. Uh, yes, and there's nothing more um, happy thing than formatting a hard drive 
like you know there is nothing anymore on there you need and if there was it doesn't matter afterwards and i'm in this process of cleaning up my life and getting as much energy for things i want to be aware of i want to pay attention to and yeah thank you that's thank you all right everybody have a great week go play hard and have a good time and take care of yourself and good experiments see you guys later thank you for being here bye everyone Bye. 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 Bye.